black widow and the hat in the brown recluse I'm moving beautiful to tell me what is your excuse Testing, 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 oh that's much better I have some oatmeal with dry cranberries and a cup of tea What kind of tea do they have? Assam maybe? Yes are you a loose leaf tea drinker? Yes, I am. Yes, Thank you me for asking. too. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm very you into this know. leaf tea. Yeah, I am. Just like the ceremony of making tea mm-hmm. like really calms me down. So I, I love uh, making tea. Yes. So where I do you buy your tea water. from? I buy it these days from Mom's. Mom's? Mm-hmm. Mom's grocery store. Are they black owned? No. Okay, we'll, t- we'll scratch Sadly. this out. Sadly. Okay, please. <laughs> but, but the one in the in, uh, Reading Terminal Market, I actually really like. Oh. Have you been to that one? No. They have like a little loose leaf tea shop store in there. Okay. It's cute. Can you hear us through here? Uh-huh. Oh, good. Okay. Okay, girl. Mm-hmm. Wait, they have black tea? So I'm too. And Reading Terminal? I think so. They have all kinds of loose leaf teas there. Cute. Okay. I think we're good. Let me just welcome to Black Matter Podcast and the Center for Media at Risk Podcast, who is working with us to co-produce these episodes. So I want to say... I'm really excited about today's episode. I'm really happy about where we are right now. I'm excited about our guest and to continue our conversation and our segment of collecting Black Joy stories and archiving Black Joy in Philadelphia and learning from Black Joy outside of the confines of higher education. I am sitting in one of my newly acclaimed favorite spots in Philly, Golden Dragon. Oh, little hand clap for y'all. Hey. And I want to get right into it and just introduce our guest. So editing is powerful because I don't know your last name. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Shelly Farul, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So welcome to that Black Matter me. Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. I'm super, super excited that you're here. I just got a very cute tour of the restaurant. And for the folks that are listening that are expecting like a high quality, <laughs> quiet background, you need to turn your earphones off now because this is not the show for you because we're sitting in the restaurant we got the doors open we are on what street are we on in west philly rodman 53rd and rodman we're on 53rd and rodman um the restaurant's not open today so i have an exclusive in Mm -hmm. right and you know we got the fan going and we're just chilling on this beautiful may day hashtag my birthday's on monday so i'm feeling yes i just love may oh my gosh i really do it is a beautiful month and you know people who were born in may in my experience celebrate their birthday the whole month um, I'm very extra, so I do celebrate my birthday the whole, the whole month, How did I know? but I, I appreciate you connecting that to other people. I just feel like May to brag for a moment. I feel like May is the best month to have a birthday because everybody just seems to be getting in like good spirit. So work wise, the semester is about to end. Students are about to go on their summer vibes. Professors about to take a break. I think like outside wise, like it's getting warm. People are feeling a little bit more higher up in spirits. Yes. You know, the summer is coming Memorial Day weekend. Everybody's planning that. And I find that because my birthday is the weekend before Memorial weekend. People can always kiki because everybody's about to go away the weekend mm. after. after. Okay. You know, when's yes. your birthday? February 9th. February 9th. So your sign is? I'm an Aquarian. Aqu- oh. Yes. I usually get along really well with Aquarius. Dreamers and schemers. Yes. Dreamers. You're a Gemini, right? Yes. yes. Dreamers and schemers. You know, my first yeah. book is about con artistry as black joy. Listen. So I love that you mentioned that because word. I <laughs> am very, um, I'm interested and very passionate about making sure that we're learning from black folks who engage outside of the rule mm-hmm. and what can be learned from black joy by any means necessary. And in part, my book project is a, is a homage and kind of ode to my mom, who was a career con artist, wow. um, who, you know, engage in beg, borrow, stealing and scamming yes. as a way to fund our childhood. And we had a lot, a lot, a lot of joy. Yes. And I think um, it makes me sad sometimes that folks like my mom just kind of go down in the archive as deviant or as criminal or as ex-con. And then kids like me get labeled as like at risk or mm. your childhood was dysfunctional, et cetera. And it's like, well, hold on. There were struggles, but there was a lot of, of joy. Mm-hmm. And when I think about the relationship that I had with my mom, I feel like a lot of our bonding was when we were breaking the law. And so I'm just very passionate about talking to black people, making sure that we are learning from folks, not who just study and theorize the criminal justice system, but black folks who have learned how to master it and mm-hmm. black folks who have learned how to disregard it yes. as a way to um, to live uh, beyond survival, but to think about our own thriving and take our thriving into our own hands. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm loving this energy because you already mentioned stuff I wanted to talk about. But before we go like fully, fully into the episode, um, we'll talk for like a minute or so about where we are. I want you to tell us about the space. Um, I'll tell you about how I or why I feel so connected to the space. And why I'm very interested in the business of this. Mm-hmm. And then we'll stop and we'll take a little break. And make sure that this is recording correctly. Amazing. <laughs> Shelly, I, I love your energy. Oh, thank I really, you so really much. Do. It is really incredible to be here. We opened in December during Sag season. Mm-hmm. And since then... Like I said, we're only open four days a week. And so we do have some time to to take breaks, you know, and reflect. But it's really moments like these that force me to take pause and, and give thanks mm-hmm. for what we have been able to create here and enjoy it, mm-hmm. you know. And for being just like a black, Chinese, Thai, yes. multifaceted, queer-owned business, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Cause that's very important. You know, I think it's important to like recognize that I, mm-hmm. I guess we're not supposed to love capitalism, but I love the, the idea of like us owning shit. Oh, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And I, I'm sure that like, just as a, like for me, as a queer person walking mm-hmm. past this space, seeing y'all in here, I'm just like, I want to, I want to know mm-hmm. what's going on yep. in there. People you know? name that all the time. <laughs> I thought that when I left my job before the pandemic hit, which was bartending, mm-hmm. that I would be able to walk away from being watched because as a bartender, everybody's looking at the bar, you know, everybody's mm-hmm. looking at you. But in here, people walk in and even if they don't come in as they're walking by, they do take pause. And a lot of people look twice because they are not used to seeing black people back there, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and that's really important to me, to us, Heidi as well. You know, the fact that Heidi, when I when I see them introducing me as a co-owner, you know, that. That's something that we both take a lot of pride in mm-hmm. because even though, and I, I think we're all guilty, a lot of us are guilty of this, of wanting more Black-owned spaces but not expecting Black people in those spaces to to be the curators of those spaces. Mm-hmm. Acknowledging the the work that, that we have done to make this a space that yeah. is is welcoming of black folks, but also one that continues to to name the traumas that a lot of black folks have experienced in spaces like this, mm-hmm. you know, in bodegas and Chinese restaurants. Yeah. Um, and doing what we can to, to reclaim these spaces. And so when Heidi invited me to open a restaurant, I was like, hell yeah. I mean, I've worked in the food industry pretty much my entire life, mm-hmm. but mostly in grocery stores and front of house somewhat in in restaurants but i think i think something you're saying that's very interesting is i'm thinking a lot about how these neighborhoods mm-hmm. and particularly this one is gentrifying and a lot of times when you go into these like hipster type restaurants yeah like the aesthetic is always very like whitewashed oh but there's always a there's always one of us in the kitchen yes and it's like why are the trendy spots always like having the black folks in the mm-hmm. back and we know that like it's our aesthetic yeah. our food our seasonings mm-hmm. that's like making the place be popping yes you know and yeah. i think it's important that what you're saying around having us like throughout the whole fucking space mm-hmm. you know yes this is ours mm. um and so and we decided to put most of our resources towards the food and okay. towards being able to pay people well instead of like you're saying whitewashing the whole place taking everything down um and making it look completely different yeah i'm so curious to to see what comes of golden dragon you know this is not the last iteration of the space uh, even now we're working on our summer menu and hopefully trying to get our liquor license. Yes. So can, yes. So we can sell some dark and slushies this summer, <laughs> <laughs> this summer <laughs> to add to the, the black joy. But um, I, I would like to think that as working artists ourselves, Heidi and I have the capacity to, to integrate joy into this space, no matter what we're doing, no matter how much we've worked you know, no matter how busy it gets um, and to make sure that that joy is somehow reflective of the community. Mm. Take us back for a second and just tell us who Shelly is and and where we are and how you got here. Yes. And your pronouns are they, them, correct? They and them. She is fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and they. She. Oh, right. Did you just look at me and say she? Because you're right, too. <laughs> Did you really do that? <laughs> 
That's okay too. With the girls is she. Did you really? Like, <laughs> y'all, I, I love that you just looked at me and said she. <laughs> yes, sorry. you are right. All pronouns work. All of yes. <laughs> My Jamaican family would be mad at you. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> no, you're very right. I, 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 I feel you going with the bot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, today she's giving she. She. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. So oh who are gosh. you? <laughs> For the people that are just meeting you. You know, some of the pen people are listening and they mm-hmm. want to know, where are we? Who is, yeah. where can I buy food? What? There's a, tr- a black and what? Oh, pen. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us who you are and how you got here. <laughs> I, I'm Shelly. A lot of people call me Rochelle. I'm, I'm reclaiming the, the Shelly identity um, for myself. I was born and raised in East Flatbush, Brooklyn. Yes. My parents are from Barbados and Haiti. And my whole government is reflective of those two cultures, mm. um, Haitian culture especially. My last name, Farul, means guiding light, lantern, lighthouse in some contexts. And I, I like to think of my work as, as that, you know, as, as, as a guiding light for everything that I'm trying to, to be and, and experience in the world. Um, it's funny you mentioned Penn because I'm here in, in some ways by way of Penn. I worked at Penn very briefly, realized pretty quickly that it was not for me, mm-hmm. but not before I took advantage of most of the resources yeah, that I could. You know, and on that note, I want to say a special thanks to the Center for Media at Risk at the Annenberg School for Communication for um, supporting this podcast. Yes, thank you. Um, I took classes towards a degree in engineering that actually ended up getting me a job at Vox Media. I realized there that Dope. I was not that interested in helping people stay on the internet, but the experience was um, incredibly rewarding. But by far the most important class that I took was a ceramics class. Mm-hmm. I have been involved in ceramic arts pretty much my entire life. My mom was a, an opera singer and voice coach at a music school in Newark, New Jersey called Newark School of the Arts. Okay. And she put me in my first ceramics class when I was five years old. And I fell in love with the feeling. You're a maker. Play. I can just yes. tell. Yeah. Yes. And so... When I took that ceramics class at Penn, I knew that that is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And being a potter now for pay is a big part of the reason why I'm able to do this. Heidi and I are still not able to pay ourselves because we just opened six months ago. But So shout out your cash app. Yes, our cash <laughs> app um, or our Venmo is Golden Dragon Philly. Uh, you should also support Bunny Hop, PHL. Bunny Hop. I know is, about Bunny Hop, but tell the, yeah, tell the girls. Yeah, is our collaborator, um, an incredibly supportive community of folks that was um, started by Katie Briggs, Gina Harris, and Jackie. And Bunny Hop and Golden Dragon host a free grocery store here at Golden Dragon every Monday from 1 to 3. And we look forward to expanding our offerings in the form of a free fridge, um, probably opening the free grocery store on other days as well. But um, we, Heidi and I, as working artists, it's really important to us that we continue to have time to make art. And so Mm. we're only open Thursday to Sunday, which I know for a lot of people, they think that's crazy, but... Me included, because I really want some tofu on I Tuesday know, nights. I know, but listen... The chili tofu is so bomb. So, you know, we catered y'all for an event that I did yes. at Penn. Shout out to everybody that was a part of the Con Artistry is Black Joy event. Um, it was at Penn Museum, which... Okay. Mm-hmm. 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 We know that history. Yeah. Um, but we wanted to, to disrupt that space a little bit, and y'all's food... As we had in a room where food wasn't allowed, that was like a part of the I love that. part of it. What? But the food was bomb. Oh, it wow. was really, Thank really you. good. So I definitely want to give you your flowers for 
um, not only creating this very, you know, creative and dope um, mm-hmm. and very well needed. We're going to talk about, you know, why, but very well needed space. Mm-hmm. I just think like it's so beautiful when black queer people come together wow. and like, you know, we need food. Yes, we do. We need food. And so exactly. Charlene was the one um, that kind of recommended mm-hmm. me to this to work with this space. Yes. Um, and then just to bring Charlene in, they said that I should uh, remind you that you and her are Rihanna's baby dad. Oh, definitely. I don't know. Absolutely. Is there a story behind that? We're going all over the place, but listeners, we'll get there. We'll we'll do the intellectual stuff later. Bless your heart. So I, one of the, one of my goals for (laughs) continuing to work here at Golden Dragon is to summon Rihanna. And I mean that. If she's listening, go ahead. Talk talk (laughs) directly. I'll put a beat behind this. I'll put a Rihanna (laughs) beat behind this. Talk to your girl. Listen. Bad gal. We have been like ships in the night our entire lives your grand grand dolly i'm moving to lived in flatbush my granny vivian moved to flatbush um in 1991 after her husband my grandfather died and when my mom was sending us down to barbados to spend time with granny your mom was sending you up to flatbush to spend time with your grand grand dolly we need to meet, okay? We need to make magic, dream and scheme. My granny was also a Pisces, which is my favorite sign. I know I'm an Aquarian, but Pisces is my favorite sign. They have my heart. What? How dare you? I don't, I don't know about that, but I'm vibing with you. Keep going. A lot of people like to make fun of Rihanna's baby daddy because... I agree. He's not a great choice, but she had to procreate with somebody. He's cute, though. Yeah, he makes terrible decisions, but don't we all? And hair decisions. I'm just ready for something new. Yeah, I'm ready for something new on his hair. But that's okay. She had to procreate. Mm -hmm. And the baby's going to be beautiful. Yep. And she's serving. Yes, she is. As a pregnant Every single woman. It is incredible. Yeah. Yo. And so... Once she pushes him by the wayside, Charlene and I will step in. Period. And help care for R9. Period. That's the baby's name, we've decided. Because R9 was supposed to be the name of her album, but we know ain't nothing coming out but that baby. So. And let the Rihanna beat fade out. So you said that you were a potter and that Mm -hmm. being a mixed media artist and a a tangible, you know, working with your hands, Mm -hmm. being a potter um, helps you run the restaurant. Tell me more about that. And then tell us about the restaurant. We gotta get there too. Yeah. (laughs) I guess I consider myself to be incredibly lucky to be the kind of artist that I am Mm -hmm. because it's one thing to be a visual artist and it's another thing to be a visual artist whose work is so much in line with the work that we do here, you know, as a potter and I choose to make functional pottery. So bowls, cups, the, all of the tools that we need to literally bring people to the table to, to share meals. And now that that you've made that's around here. Actually, the only one is that elephant. Where? With the dried iris in it next to Trini. The yellow power ranger. I made that elephant. Okay, I don't have my glasses on, but where the elephant is? Do you see the yellow Power Ranger? Yes. To the left of it. Oh, the white? No. That's a cat. That's a cat. In between the cat and... There's an elephant? Yeah. Oh, oh, the little, little thing. It's cute. Okay. Yes. I love Bud Voss. I was like, that's a cat. (laughs) I love your pottery, girl, but that's a cat. (laughs) No, I get it. Killing me. Oh, my God. Yes. We can't do it. We can't do no pen we, podcast together. These pen people are going to be like, what What, what are we this? paying for? What you're paying listen. for black joy. Yes. These <laughs> we're, are the books you should be reading. And we're serving it. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I love when people tell me about how their art practice mm-hmm. and their personal like practice as an artist like informs their professional practice. Because for me, I think it's all blended together. Yes. I think the personal is political. Mm-hmm. And I think as black folks, like we know how now work life balance be hard with us. It is. And I love what yeah. you said about, you know, not opening the restaurant every day because mm-hmm. of that. But I just think that as black people, we there's no such thing as like neutrality, scholarly uh, objectivity. Yeah. Like we know how to bring ourselves, our aesthetic, our joy, our vibes vibes 
to professional spaces and mm-hmm. ultimately we transform those spaces, which is something I'm trying to tell myself being a nigga working at Penn. Yeah. Right. Yes. Um, so I want to hear you. I, I just want to, you know, vibe with you about that in terms of like making this transition to, to be a restaurant owner. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, how do you still stay creative? How has it informed your practice as an artist, as a yeah. potter? Um, you're giving me like musician vibes. So I know you'd be vibing to some oh beats gosh, too. Yes. But like, how has like this being like, you know, HBIC of Golden Dragon informed some of your creative vibes? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I, I grew up in Brooklyn and South Brooklyn eating a lot of different foods. Mostly, My family's Jamaican, so I grew up eating yes, a lot. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You just eat yes. a lot. It's how we bond. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's how we. The kitchen table is the space of black care. scholarship. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Admittedly, I'm not as familiar with cooking South Asian food as I would have liked to have been before we opened. Mm -hmm. But as soon as we did, I realized that Trinidadian food and Guyanese food and Charlin is from both Trinidad and Guyana. It's kind of like the OG Blasian food. Mm. You know, when you think about like Guyanese chow mein, a noodle dish that includes and incorporates not just boar bean, traditionally found in South Asia, but curry, which is everybody's spice, you know? Um, Trinidad, roti. Um, You know, Trinidad just being, like, really the site for a lot of us in in the Caribbean um, and the global south of black resistance and black joy. Mm -hmm. You know, you think about... A tradition like juve. Are you familiar with juve? No. So juve in French means to rise. And it is in in Brooklyn. I can only speak for where I'm from. But in Brooklyn, juve is the, the celebration that happens before carnival. At dawn. Okay, yes, I am at familiar. Night, yes. Right? Yes. It was, as I understand it historically, when... Black enslaved people and also some freed freed blacks would make fun of the the white elite by disguising themselves with black paint and 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 glitter and then like throwing whatever they could at the white elite as they were walking home from these parties, right? And Juve in Brooklyn is an incredible experience. Over the years, the powers that be have tried to shut it down by thinking and really in, inciting violence, you know, as as law enforcement has been known to do in black communities. But there is no amplified sound at Juve. You know, folks are dancing in the streets, playing the steel pen, throwing glitter and colored paint at each other. And, and, yes, yes, it is an the ultimate side of, of black resistance. Yes. Um, my auntie Vaughn um, used to take my brother and I to Juve, believe it or not. And in New York, though. In, in Brooklyn, yeah. yeah. One of the memories that I call on now, especially as we're curating our new menu that informs what I want to eat. You know, it's summertime mm. and there are specific foods that I'm used to eating over the summer. Foods that are so spicy, your body can't help but cool down. Right. Because you're literally like hotter inside than it is outside. Mm. (laughs) And as I as I think about the community that I want to create here for myself in Philadelphia, I think about how I can call on my Brooklyn girlhood. Yeah. In a way that does not take away from this particular space. Yeah. Here in West Philly. Yes. How you build home. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's beautiful. That's a lecture in itself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I find it very fascinating that there are so many connections between black and Asian yeah. cuisine, specifically Chinese and Thai, mm-hmm. but yet still in neighborhoods that look like this one and this neighborhood in particular, there's not often um, community uh, yeah. gathering or community yeah. connection between the two. And mm-hmm. as someone um, that has lived in a predominantly black neighborhood in Richmond when I was in Jackson Ward and now lives in West Philadelphia, I see the same kind of makeup where Mm -hmm. there's lots of um, Chinese Asian owned restaurants in black spaces in the hood. Mm -hmm. Right. 
but little kind of interaction um, and and community between the two Mm -hmm. groups. And so talk to me a little bit about how this came about and what type of healing and conversations has it helped to inform? I mean, I'm even thinking about some of the, the violence and the bad vibes that mm-hmm. I've experienced when I go buy a pack of hair at the Absolutely. hair store that yes. is, you know, we know historically mm-hmm. are predominantly owned by Asian folks, but yeah. are, you know, making their money off of mm-hmm. black aesthetics. Yeah. Right. And so I, um, even when I enter into certain Chinese owned restaurants in particular, I often feel that kind of like mm-hmm. that energy, you know? And so yeah. it, as even as a child, I've always wondered this, like, why are these two communities, um, not talking even though we're in the same space often. Yeah. There are a lot of systems um, that have done a masterful job of pitting us against each other. Creating model minority syndrome. Yes. Yes. Um, And convincing Asian folks and black folks that we cannot coexist. Mm -hmm. And that if, and that white people are only interested in having one of us around at any given time. Mm-hmm. Right. And then in order to succeed as an Asian person in these white institutional spaces, you need to like disregard, mm-hmm. ignore, um, and kind of turn a blind eye mm-hmm. to the white supremacy that impacts black people. Yes. Yeah. Even though it's impacting them as well, mm-hmm. you know, so we've yes. seen how some certain folks who can benefit from model minority syndrome mm-hmm. will take that path and go and leave us behind. Yeah. But in, you know, it's a part of white supremacy for us to not mm-hmm. coexist together. Yeah. And it's, if we did golden dragon, will be create right? Yeah. <laughs> if we did, yes. right. If we did, that yes. is a Afrofuturist dream that I know you're thinking mm-hmm. about, you know? Yeah, we are. Um, and especially as a, as a child of, of black immigrants, I am, and shout outs to my black American friends who had to educate me ab- about this. I now understand that we all, Asian people and black immigrants, owe our existence in this country to black Americans, mm. to the to those whose immigration was forced on them, mm. right? Like my mom chose to come here in search of same, yeah. you know, better for better schools. Yes. I hear that. But it is, it is because we are so often compared to black Americans and to the descendants of enslaved people in this country that we have been able to achieve the amount of success that we have. I, I very, very much believe that. And so when Heidi, who is Chinese and Thai, invited me to open this restaurant, I said yes immediately. And not just because of this particular site, but because. And just to give a little note, sorry to interrupt. I, I want to say that Heidi, Heidi couldn't be here mm-hmm. tonight, but we wanted them to be a part of the episode. Because yes. I know my nigga listeners are like, oh, he only interviewed the black person. <laughs> no. Heidi was invited, but yes. was not able to be with us tonight. But we are holding them yes. near and dear. Absolutely. Heidi is, is grieving right now. Uh, one of their family members, Chuck, passed away recently after a hard-fought but really speedy battle with pancreatic cancer. And Chuck was the face of Al's Drive-In, which is a restaurant in Chicago that Heidi's parents opened almost 40 years ago Wow! in the same fashion. Mm. They, they took on reopened what was already a successful restaurant. They kept the name just as we did, kept the name Golden Dragon, um, added some Thai and Chinese dishes, namely the Thai fried rice, which is now on our menu, carrying on that legacy. And almost 40 years later, they're still open. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the staff of Al's Drive-In, that is goals. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think they're... Their longest tenured staff member is a black man who's been there for over 20 years. Wow. So Al's driving. We yes. want to send some love to Heidi. Yes. And rest in peace to Chuck. Yes. And we also want to send some flowers to Al's driving. Mm-hmm. Sounds like that's kind of like your aspirational space. Absolutely. Beautiful. Yes. That is what we want. We'll drop them in the in the comments too. Amazing. Okay. Now we were talking about 
Golden Dragon. So you were saying that Heidi, when Heidi called you mm-hmm. after you were kind of learning from Black American friends, mm-hmm. the the lineage of of how yeah. we're all connected. Yes, how we're all connected. Heidi told me that they wanted to do something similar to what their parents had done. And I was like, yes, all right, I can be helpful. Mm-hmm. I did not understand at the time that they were asking me to be a co-owner, which I guess is is a role that I have always wanted to to play. Mm. Um, I've helped open other businesses, but never a restaurant. And so that was that was really scary to me. But I embraced that fear and and know that knew at the time and know now that it really is that that fear of um, I don't want to say failure, but like misstepping that informs what we do in this space, because as a co-owner, we can do whatever we want. You know, we can, we can choose to only be open four days a week. We can host Charlin one Sunday a month when she is uh, giving away bacon saltfish from her native Trinidad for free. You can't keep bringing up food and just, right. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to feed you. Yes. And so it, um, yeah, it has been, it has been challenging mm-hmm. for sure. Um, trying to make sense of what we're doing here, trying to explain what we're doing here to folks in the neighborhood. Cause like I was saying, the space hasn't physically changed that much. So do folks think that it's still a Chinese owned restaurant? Yes. And, and how do y'all communicate differently without changing the space and making it feel gentrified yeah. and oh we're gonna you know paint the door mm-hmm. gray. gray oh my god what's up with gentrifiers only using like it is gray so bland. yeah it's so typical except my landlord my landlord is the guy that has that blue house you know what i'm talking about right there that the one on cedar yeah that just the like the triplex. futuristic one yeah it's yes. just blue like oh my who gosh. let that man just choose blue Listen. yeah i the things that they do to our neighborhoods mm-hmm. Is just like it's just it's yeah, it's bad architecture. Everything looks like Chipotle. Yep. And then they choose just like these very sterile features, mm-hmm. and it's like every house is red brick, and you just paint it blue. Like yeah, you're just you're just intentionally trying to piss people yes. off. That's you know? what it feels like. Yeah, but that's another episode. I want to keep it because mm-hmm. that's not going to bring me joy tonight. Curry and rice will bring me joy. The gotcha. sorrows bringing me joy. I I love it, how you keep um going back to yes a co-owner, but also the co and co-owner like this mm-hmm. is a partnership and this is started with you and your friend and if i can ask um and, you know editing is key so tell me mm-hmm. nigga you can't ask that yeah um how have y'all sustained friendship and um community as you said when you know when black folks see this space mm-hmm. you, you want to communicate some of this is now black and chinese and thai owned yeah. um how has all that um fueled you or been challenging because i'm thinking about all my best friends and i know some of y'all listening like we can't open no damn restaurant together i know we can't. But how did how did y'all get there? That's a great question. It is no, it is it is a really good question. I'm taking my flowers we, as a podcast host. Yes. Yes. This podcast has has come a long way. I'm just <laughs> I don't know if you listen to season one, but, but <laughs> we used to only have one microphone per with two guests. Really? It was kind of a we oh God, I love that. Be real close to Shout out to the glow up. We're in your restaurant. Yes. Love it up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. One of the keys is boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, Teach me those. Yeah. And I, I struggle with these because as Heidi once said, they don't just dream at night. They dream all the time mm-hmm. as an Aquarian. Mm-hmm. And there are times when ideas will come to me and I'll be, and I'll, I text first mm. and Heidi is, is old, older. older. I'm 37. They just turned 40. They don't like texting. They just want me to pick up the phone, but I will bombard Heidi with a bunch of texts and be like, Oh, can we do this? This and this, you know, but I also, and they, they do have to remind me that we have to rest we have to step away. Even rest your dreams. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We have to step away from this space, from this work that we're doing in order to come back to it. And not let it consume you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So there's that. Mm-hmm. 
I think also leading with grace is really important. Having grace for myself, not pushing myself as hard as I'm used to. I was... I just love, I love, I know. Yeah, just the white woman walking by with a golden retriever. The neighborhood is changing (laughs) as we speak. Yep. Yep. Good Lord. I think Penn planned that. Penn knew I was going to be here. They had a white lady with a golden retriever. And they sent her. Yep. I got stories about Penn. And I'm one to talk because I own my house because of a Penn grant that a lot of these white folks. Um, have also been able to take advantage of. And I own that. Let's put a pin there and come back to that. Yeah. You were talking about Heidi and Um, and, and boundaries. Yes, Heidi and boundaries and taking time to rest and having grace for myself. I was socialized to be exceptional. My very first school teacher, Mrs. Hutchinson, a Jamaican woman, um, who still owns two of the most popular... They're basically like Montessori schools in Brooklyn um, and is still educating people who will, I'm sure, go on to be civil servants, you know, business people. She taught me how to learn, which is how I'm here. You know, I, I really do feel like I have the capacity to to learn anything, to show up in any way that's needed, mm. which is a huge part of owning a business, but Period. especially a food business. Yeah, yeah. And so with that, I, I do struggle to, to not be perfect um, and to like lay that down, you know, to, to put that to bed because what, what is perfect is my literal existence. You know, the fact that I get out of bed every day. Regular, regular black people are also perfect. And there's so much joy in that. Yes. I think that's where the, the black magic is. Mm -hmm. That's where the excellence is. And like resisting this need to be excellent in Mm -hmm. these like professional, I'm booked and busy kind of ways. Mm -hmm. I think the mat, the black magic and the radical excellence is in when we recognize like I deserve Mm -hmm. to rest. Absolutely. I deserve to get to a place in life where I work four days a week. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I think we're socialized to, um, to think that our existence and our way of defining self has to be tied to so much labor. Mm -hmm. And I'm constantly, um, since I, since my mom passed in particular, I'm constantly trying to think about like, what are my dreams that Mm -hmm. don't involve labor? Yeah. You know, and that's a really hard, um, question for someone that, which I think we're sharing, like is very driven, mm-hmm. is very interested in perfection mm-hmm. and is, you know, um, able to look at something and say, I can learn that. Right. But that doesn't mean that I can learn that. And now I need to turn that into like another and resume. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so now my goals have changed, actually, mm-hmm. since we opened Golden Dragon. And I find that as I'm working, my goal is to work so I can eliminate work figure out how to work myself out of a job. That is really what what helps me find the rest and the comfort and the, the community that I need to sustain. Okay, we're back. All right, tell me what we're eating. But before we do that, I feel like we need to just give the girls a quick, like, I don't know, uh, goal statement or mission statement of Golden Dragon. Golden so just, Dragon. like, tell us what is yeah. the Golden Dragon restaurant. This is good practice. I don't... The website will be in the comments, so okay. I don't feel like you need to, you know. But I also want to name that I should be, like, naming it and speaking what we want to do mm-hmm. out into the universe, but... Golden Dragon is a black and Asian solidarity project that, for me, seeks to disrupt how we engage with each other and how we curate spaces as people who eat food and make art. And tell us a little bit about what we're eating now. Oh, so what we're eating is Masaman curry. Which, interestingly, so 
as a black person from the Caribbean, I did not know the people outside the Caribbean ate curry. Well, I'm Jamaican. I'm like, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know that other island cultures like made curry as good as us. Yeah. You know, there's always those those rivals no, between I like Jamaica. No I know, but I was like, bitch, what? So then I had, and I had a similar experience when I had um, fried chicken. You're the first black, black person that I've, that I've heard say like, I had fried chicken for the first time. I'm like what? We yeah. grew up with that. <laughs> but like Korean fried chicken is oh, a thing. Yeah. I had no idea. I had no idea. I don't know if this place is, is even Korean owned, but have you had the Korean fried chicken at the Continental? Mm. It's really good. Really? Yeah. It's really good. <laughs> From a person who doesn't even really eat fried chicken like that. Put me on. Okay. It's good. All right. But given that this is a black and Asian owned spot, mm-hmm. what are some of the other black spots that you like go to and feel you're like, damn, this shit is good. Like, oh my gosh. Shout out some of the like, yes. someone that just moved here. Like, I need to know who else I should be sitting down yeah. with. Yeah. You know? I'm gonna get not this like podcast this. episode going to different restaurants. No, this I love it. We're giving like uh, Nig- Nigga GTV, not HGTV. Well, like, this is yes, Nigga GTV. Yes, <laughs> I've never done this before. Like, I don't know if I've eaten with like a restaurant owner on the podcast. But I'm like, wait a minute, this oh my is God. this is a yes. vibe. It is though, mm-hmm. um, and it's so real because food is a conversation, mm-hmm. and we are all constantly borrowing ideas from each other. And so it's important to name the spaces that that inspire us. Have the other Chinese restaurant owners walk by and be like, <laughs> you know what? Oh, I what had, are y'all? What? I don't I don't know, but I think so. Honestly. So y'all are y'all are talking to your black customers? <laughs> y'all are not just cash only? You're not right? Yeah. Why is that a thing? You don't in, run each other in low income neighborhoods. Like why you cash only? Mm-hmm. I know credit card machines are expensive, et cetera, but I feel like there's something else to that, too. There's got to be. I don't know. That's a good question. We, I don't think we'll ever accept credit cards. Al's does not. Al's is still literally just cash only. They don't even take Venmo or PayPal. Y'all take Venmo and PayPal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which makes it more accessible. Yes. Yes. We will eventually accept food stamps, mm. which we're super excited about. That was one of our goals was to be able to accept food stamps. Is that process really hard? Opening. It is. Um, and it's so racist. Fuck the state. Yes. It's really fucked up because fast food businesses like Burger King do accept food stamps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why is it harder for? Because of all of the, the rules around how food is displayed and presented. Mm. And the kinds of food that you have to sell in order to be able to accept food stamps. You end up having to engage with vendors who have high minimums for deliveries that a lot of corner stores and small independently owned businesses can't afford. And so that is one of the ways that white folks can support us is by sending us money so that we can build up the savings that we need in order to be able to afford to accept food stamps because yeah. you know it requires a fair amount of infrastructure that we don't have right now but it's something that's really really important to us a lot of people in this neighborhood myself included are on food stamps you know it is it is what sustains me right now when we're not open I otherwise don't have any income. Yeah, and folks need to be able to experience like mm-hmm. local restaurants. Yes, exactly. Not just the big fast yep. food places mm-hmm. as a way to like use their food stamps. Yes, bullshit. and we need our dollars to stay in our communities. You know, a place like, um, speaking of which, Spot Justin's, which is right over here on the corner, 52nd and Hazel, they do accept food stamps. They sell an amazing $5 hoagie. I have I still have a hard time calling it a hoagie because my, my default is hero, but I get it. Y'all call it something strange. <laughs> well, I heard that um, Philly, Philly is like a sandwich. Oh, my God. It's a sandwich city. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah, which has some ties to like the Irish or something. Oh. I'll, I'll edit that out. But okay. I've, I've heard that like Philly is a sandwich city and there's some like cultural lineage there. I see it oh that's interesting um but yeah Justin's um brown sugar 
which is brown sugar takes food stamps. I don't know if they take oh, food stamps, but I mean, I shout out to so. brown. Their food is Yo, so bomb, it's so bomb. They have vegan food. They do vegetarian. <laughs> like, and they, you know, I can say this because I love my people. Usually in Caribbean spots, they be, you know, they don't want us in there, but they get your yeah. food and get out. Yep. Brown sugar, they be Yo. somewhat warm and nice. You can, yes. You can you stay can. for 40 seconds mm-hmm. versus the typical 25. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, brown sugar, they're dope. Yeah, their food um, is so good. It is good. The I bread like, pudding. Yes, I was about to the bread speak pudding. on their pastries mm-hmm. because anybody who knows me well knows that I love a current roll and- Brown mm. sugar, when they have them, they be having me so fucked up sometimes. And that fucking fish, that like salt fish fry that they do. No, their food is really good. That shrimp. Yes. I've had a lot of their food, yes. actually. Yes, brown sugar is one. There is a restaurant in Rittenhouse that, similar to Golden Dragon, used to be owned by a white person and a black person took it over. Okay. The name of the restaurant includes three days of the week. So it's either like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It's, it's good. Okay, I'm going to write that down. It's like black American food. Okay, I'm going to write that down. Or, you know how they say it's American food, but it's actually just like... It's us. It's us. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like food and black people who make food... Yes. ...is what brings you joy. Oh, Absolutely. And where yes. does that come from? Like, who in your family inspired you to go into? Oh, my Auntie Vaughn, by far. Okay. She's um, like, she can cook? Auntie Vaughn can I'm getting cook. that vibe. She loves to cook. <laughs> we currently sell the Bajan fish cakes. A Bajan is a person from Barbados. We sell Bajan fish cakes here only as a special, or we'll make them for catered events. You have some right now? No. It sounds um, sound really good. Yeah, it's saltfish. Mm. I love saltfish because, you know, Jamaicans, we have saltfish for breakfast. Y'all. With ackee. Ackee and saltfish. I can't will tell never me understand how to make ackee because I feel like I hear all the critiques mm-hmm. of my grandmother. But, like, I love ackee and it's saltfish. It's so good. It's so good. I don't remember how young I was, but one time we flew to Jamaica and one of my aunts or grandmother made ackee and saltfish and we ate it on the plane. <sighs> Flying down there? While flying to Jamaica, I just wow. feel like that is a memory that just kind of came back. I probably had to be like, I don't wow. know, nine years old. And like, just imagine eating like well-cooked ackee and sawfish yes. on a plane. I was like, I'm on top of the world. I'm, yes. I'm in, I'm flying to heaven. That is beautiful. I just like love salt and seafood mm-hmm. together. I just love a good salty fish. Yeah. Yeah. With, uh, yeah. Mm. I forgot about the next question, girl. Oh, yeah. No. no, no, no. Now you're talking. <laughs> I was asking, yeah, the, so other Chinese restaurants, black-owned restaurants, like, how have they reached out, supported, do you feel? Because I know there's a lot, like, there's a lot of corner Chinese spots in mm-hmm. this restaurant. Totally. I mean, in this neighborhood, mm-hmm. there are a lot of uh, corner Chinese restaurants in this neighborhood. And so yeah. I'm wondering, like, do they walk by, like, what is, what are they doing? The queers are up to something. Yeah, they're up to something. I and they're friends? People, I know. I think when people walk by, they're very curious. Some will come in. Some will, you know, go back and forth a couple times before they come inside. But as I understand it, actually, for for the most part, ours is one of the few. We call these like yellow sign because the sign outside is yellow. Mm-hmm. Ours is one of the few yellow sign spots in the neighborhood that is actually open for business because of this phenomenon that's happening right now where... People who own Chinese restaurants are aging and they don't have anyone in their family, namely their kids, who want to take on the business. Um, And so that's another reason and way in which Heidi is really exceptional and amazing, you know, for them to be a restaurant kid and to want to work in a restaurant. That's crazy. It's very rare. Yes. Incredibly rare for them to not only want to work in a restaurant, but to want to take on the legacy that their their parents, I mean, their mom and their aunt um, really instilled in them, which is black and Asian solidarity and working alongside each other. Um, it's really special and something that I had to be a part of. I mean, in many ways, it's, it's fugitive mm-hmm. because we don't, I mean, I, as a child, didn't grow up seeing that, mm-hmm. but saw both of us, like black and Asian folks in black neighborhoods, but don't see black and Asian solidarity a lot. Yeah. You know, um, and the ways that we are, um, policed 
in the neighborhood in the mm-hmm. way that they are not. Mm-hmm. You don't see the solidarity when we need it. Yeah. You know, so it's I, I can't um, not mention that there is obviously like tension mm-hmm. there, you know. Um, yeah. And so I think one business at a time, one space at a time, it's important to start to like have these conversations and parse them out mm-hmm. um, as a as a way to think about black joy. Yes. You know, because black joy is nuanced and black joy should be invested in and supported, mm-hmm. but black joy is not about erasure. No, it's not. You yeah. know, it's not about just like, Oh, now we're in solidarity. Mm-hmm. It's like, where, where were you when? Oh, yes. You know? Yes. So yeah. I, I feel that. Yeah. And naming those experiences um, and how we got here. Mm-hmm. Before we close, um, I want to give you space to add anything that you want talk about whatever you want. Take us here or there. Um, and I know you also that you said um, you had some pen stories because um, just yeah. because pen is hel- is helping us out mm-hmm. with this podcast episode. Um, I I'm talking to a black person who who has been in West Philly, who's mm-hmm. been you know, who's been in these streets, who's been hustling in West Philly. So um, I think it's a part of my learning to hear how black folks um, have experience the the institution for which i'm you know mm-hmm. a part of for the next year yeah um i have spent the last what is it now five six years reconciling my my connection to pen um, not just as a former staff member but as a beneficiary of the that grant mm. where Penn gives certain staff members, not all, mm. certain staff members money to buy homes in West Philadelphia. It has to be in, the, they, in West Philadelphia yeah, as, as a, they buy it up. Exactly. And it's in a specific catchment. And the borders over the years, over the last decade and change that they have had this program, have expanded farther and farther west. Mm-hmm. Because they want to... They want you to buy yes. further out as yeah. they buy further in. Yes, exactly. This is, some, like, um, black, this is like an episode of Black Mirror. It's, Especially because just think about how the Ivy League school tends to always nestle itself within black neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And that is strategic. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet still, while they do that, they don't expand their admissions right. big enough mm-hmm. to create more access. Because yep. the Ivy League is not about who's smarter than mm-hmm. who. It's about you know, thriving off of who you keep out, not who you let in. Mm -hmm. So I hear everything that you're saying and find this like kind of mind blowing because it's like, so they gave you this grant to buy a house, but then it pushes you out in a way. It does. Um, And not only that, but it, it has kind it in some ways serves to pit black people specifically against each other. Because as I was saying, the reason why I was able to get that grant was because I worked at Penn as an administrator. If I worked at Penn as a cook in the kitchen, that was not that's not a program that's available to those staff members. In part because Penn strategically has made it so that folks who work in the kitchen, folks who work in um, janitorial services are not employees of the University of Pennsylvania. They're employed by a contractor. Yeah. Um, and so not only can those, not only are those folks not able to access that program, they can't take classes towards degrees as I did, you know, and as someone who is not from Philadelphia, as someone whose parents are not from, were not born in this country, I, I've really struggled with that. Mm. And that, too, informs how I work here, how I exist in this space as I try to to heal my relationship and my connection to those resources, mm-hmm. how, how I came into them. Yeah, I I find that that is like a, a complicated duality, because as black folks, it's like we want to see all of us yeah. get access mm-hmm. And the way that we are uh, treated in this white supremacist system is that we're we're conditioned to think that there's not enough resources mm-hmm. for everyone when there is. There is. There is. Yes. And that creates sometimes for those of us who have quote unquote made it. Mm-hmm. And I say air quotes because 
as someone that has had, yeah, someone that that has had access to higher education, I think from being in this institution, this Ivy League institution, I don't think that people are that smart. Right. I (laughs) think that it's my aunties. I think it's the black folks. Like, Mm -hmm. I think it's the folks that I've, you know, learned from who are community scholars, right, who have figured out how to uh, leverage the resources of the institution, but not let it diminish their, their, their black light, mm-hmm. their, their blackness, their, the things that bring them joy, not fully assimilating, you know, mm-hmm. um, who are still scholars in their own right. Yes. And so I, I find it, um, challenging sometimes because as someone that has also benefited from the resources of, uh, you know, I was a, a, a kid that got chosen to be in scholarship programs and, mm-hmm. after, and after school stuff that kind of, you know, shot me up right mm-hmm. to the right places at the right time yeah. and then ended up being, you know, able to go to grad school and all those mm-hmm. things. My politic has changed where when I was experiencing that kind of white saviorism, I think I thought like, oh, the way that we end like poverty and and, and black suffering is like everyone just needs to go to college. Mm-hmm. They're going to that college has all the resources right. to figure it out. And now my politic has has shifted to like, no, I think one of us needs to get the PhD yes. or one of us needs to be an institution yes. and figure out how to how kind to of fuel the resources yep. out. Redistribute. Redistribute. Yes. Just re- it doesn't yes. take everybody going through the violence mm-hmm. of the Ivy League institution or the violence of higher education mm-hmm. um, and the way that it can strip some folks that are just not meant to not meant to dim their blackness. Yep. Right. Like I see kids in West Philly that I'm like, yo, you're so radical and dope and so beautiful as you are, mm-hmm. as you talk like. Yeah don't I wouldn't want to see that go away you know and so until we can make sure that these institutions are not conditioning us to like strip ourselves down Mm -hmm. it's it's not for everyone you know so I think it's more about having conversations about redistribution so I I say all that to say that I hear the healing that you're doing and also I don't wish for you to hold on to kind of like this like remorse Mm. that you got something and other folks didn't Mm -hmm. because you're you're finding ways to redistribute you know but I, I thank you for that reminder. But it's no, hard. Right. It's hard. Trust yeah. me. I, I, I know, you know what I'm saying? Um, and there's a lot of loneliness that comes with that. Yes. When you were talking, I was thinking about like the experience of not only myself, but a lot of uh, my friends and some of my comrades, some who are not even black, mm-hmm. where we're first generation college students and that kind of isolation that you experience mm-hmm. where like my Jamaican family is so proud of me that I've earn these degrees and I'm now at this school and I'm teaching and I'm, you know, impacting the children and mm-hmm. all that stuff. But like at the same time that creates sometimes a type of isolation where you feel so far away yeah. from them, you feel so disconnected to like Absolutely. the struggle, mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean like we, we don't all have to struggle, struggle yeah. you know? So mm-hmm. it's, it's a hard convo. Yeah. Sure. Thank you for that. Right. What are you doing to, two heels as we as we close up i want to hear more about what are the tangible things that are bringing you joy um and that are tied to your healing and they don't have to just be about golden dragon yeah um but like what are those things that you do oh my goodness um the tangible things as i come into my own as a paid artist um and as someone who has always enjoyed traveling especially traveling by myself i am I've been having a lot of fun traveling to places so that I can learn more and different ways of creating ceramics. So last summer I spent almost a month in Costa Rica and I rented a car, had to basically relearn how to drive stick shift and drove from the western side of Costa Rica over to the eastern side near the Panamanian border, learning from different indigenous folks, um, mostly about hand building. And I, it was at a time when I was recovering from COVID, also trying to heal my brain. I don't, it's hard to refer to it as a nervous breakdown, but the, the stress of maintaining my home while unemployed in the midst of a pandemic, while my parents who were aging were still in New York City, which was the site yeah. of that's a lot of anxiety. of the pandemic. Yeah. Was it ended up being a really powerful experience for me, one that I am trying to figure out how to reproduce, you know, because 
I learned so much, not just about my art practice, but about myself and about how I can continue to, to, to heal. I found different ways of healing. Um, and there's, there's been so much joy in that. Otherwise, besides making pottery and traveling, hanging out with Bay has been really nice. <laughs> yeah. Dating again has been so much fun. Surprisingly. Um, I didn't think I have a date ever again, really, because I really just, I enjoy having physical intimacy with friends. That to me feels more sustainable. Sustainable. Key. Yes. Yeah. But, um, and safe and safe. Yes. And respectful. Mm-hmm. I'm tired. You know, yeah. Yes. Respectful. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it has just been really sweet to date, you know, and like to allow myself to, to be loved and loved up on. Mm. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing. Shelly, this was so dope. Thank you so much. We had a fun yes. little kiki. Yes. We really did. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's nice to not work in this space. Yeah. It's nice yeah. to just like chill here. Mm -hmm. I feel like we're just kind of vibing in the yeah. neighborhood. Um, I love being able to like leave this space and come back. <laughs> come back and buy food and now I know you you know our song calls uh -huh. us out so classic I'm surprised he usually plays Christmas music oh really <laughs> yeah <laughs> tell us again just to remind the folks how to follow you how to follow Golden mm -hmm. Dragon how to get your pottery yes um, we got some people listening that may want to come and buy some stuff mm -hmm. um, just tell people how they can continue to stay engaged with you beyond um consuming you through this episode yes. right like it's not about just oh snap oh no he's okay that's a really cute bike though. yes it is hope he's all right <laughs> and a black neighbor is like you go. you're gonna be all right yeah there you go. <laughs> as i was saying tell us how folks can support you and stay engaged with you and mm -hmm. continue to learn from you yes um beyond being entertained or or feeling the joy vibes in this podcast episode yeah so our instagram which is not as curated as we want it to be no, no, don't um, don't dim, don't dim your okay it works you're right it yeah. works exactly you're we, cooking we get the point across yeah yes. that, that's how i that, hello yep. that's how i got here yep golden dragon philly um our Venmo, if you would like to support us with your dollars, is also Golden Dragon Philly. Give to that Monday. Yes. Open yes. kitchen Please. and also the Please. ability to create um, opportunities for folks who have food stamps. Mm -hmm. I had um, food stamps all throughout high school. It's so important. It really, my sister and I shared yeah. a car. Yeah. It's an incredible resource. It really um, is. That has allowed so many of us to, to go to bed a little earlier. Yes. As black people, I just feel like. We need rest. When white folks think about reparations and all of that, it's like no questions should be asked. Mm -hmm. It should just be one of my favorite artists. His name is Xander, who's based in New York. Mm. And he said what I would do with 40 more seconds to breathe. Yeah. And that's what I, you know, that's what mm -hmm. reparations is about. It's about making, showing up in these tangible ways to make it easier for us to breathe. Yes. Like as I'm enjoying this with you, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm thinking about, Obviously, what's circulating in the news, which is the shooting in Buffalo. Yeah. And it's like, where can we just go and breathe? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy to think about. I can be in this space. I can be sitting at Penn at a graduation, which was a couple of days ago, and like feel the protections that that privilege, yeah. that the privilege of that space allows you. Um, and then go to another space and be taken out mm -hmm. only because I'm black, you know? Yeah. And so to have to walk around with that kind of um awakeness mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call exhausting. it it's exhausting yes, it is so how are you helping black folks to just breathe mm -hmm. yes thank you mm -hmm. help us help us breathe and otherwise the name of my pottery is the name of my pottery company is ebia pottery company ebia stands for every bit is a help which is a yes. saying in barbados come on ebia you be hitting us with the nuance Yes. You mean, you know, the, in the, the bowls tell us the political ideology that's in the bowls <laughs> i know there's something going on with the way you form the bowls yeah <laughs> and i know that you shout out to uh you know joanna yes joanna, yeah, joanna yes. is gonna be processing mm -hmm. your payment yes thank you joanna <laughs> i love your jewelry it's absolutely gorgeous um i have seen your work um 
on on Blackhound's IG. I'm so happy for you. Um, but uh, yeah, the this next phase of my business is going to be selling decals, ceramic decals, so that folks can enhance their pottery um, in in more um, affordable ways. Because the few companies that sell decals right now are robbing all of us. Um, and so with help from folks, um, who set up a fundraiser for me a couple of years ago, um, I was able to buy a used, uh, decal printer and I'm excited to finally have the time and space to, uh, grow that part of my business. Um, and then to shout out Heidi's practice, Heidi is, um, Heidi's the co-owner of Golden Dragon yes. for folks who tuned in a little late. Mm-hmm. Heidi Ratanawanich, um, our co-owner, beloved co-owner, is a mixed media artist, sculptor, also a professor at Moore. But they own a printing press called Many Folds. Fortune is a project of um, Many Folds. Fortune printed our beautiful menus. So, and so please support them as well. We'll put um, um, links to all these spots in the caption. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you, everyone that has been listening to Black Matter Podcasts. Uh, thank you to our new listeners who have gotten here via the Center for Media at Risks podcast at the Annenberg School of Communication at UPenn. And thank you to everybody black that's in West Philadelphia that frequents the dope-ass space of Golden Dragon Restaurant. I am a new customer, a new loyal customer. Okay. Where's my uh, little punch card? Because I'm coming back. <laughs> you better. <laughs> this, was, this was so dope. Thank Good night, so everybody. Much. And you can close us out. However you typically say goodbye to the girls. I say toodles. I feel good. I'm good.